Welcome back to the Plugin for More podcast. You got the three of us back on the recording for the first time in a few few episodes and excited to have you guys both back. Happy to be here. Nice to be back. We are going to talk about the tax credit law updates once we get through some of our stories or maybe the five myths, whatever Mike wants, really. That's why we're here. Yeah. It's Mike's yeah. today. We're going to do what yeah. he wants. Well, that, that's what I always like. Welcome to Plug In for More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Can I talk about my road trip to Ohio? I suppose I would love to hear that road trip to hell. Uh, so I know I I talk a lot of bad things about Ohio. I've never really had a great experience there. There's only really like one good thing about Ohio, and you can get Yingling beer there and Cedar Point. Like that that's about it for my, two. my standpoint. I'm just pointing out it's two, so that's uh, okay. yeah, that one. Yeah. Just so there's really only like two good things about Ohio. We're aligned on this, Tom. I can't believe it. We're so aligned. Right. I mean, I didn't think there's any good things, but you're right. Those are the two only good things in Ohio. Right. I mean, granted that Yingling comes from Pennsylvania, but it's just the distribution routes. Like, that's the closest way we could get it. Whatever. So we're doing our road trip down. We left Traverse City about six o'clock in the evening. We're trying to get to Cedar Point. I'm looking at a better out planner. I'm looking at plug share, just for apps. Cause my road trip experience is limited right now still. And like we talked about the last couple episodes of the Mach-E, my range is limited. Like we're at that 224 mile mark for range. So it's two or three charge stops. Like there's no way around that for me, but I discovered, and maybe I'm not alone in this, but Apple maps has it's built in to its map software now for EV travel and it locates closest chargers for you. And it also interfaces with Apple CarPlay. So it knows exactly where your car's charging level is at and gives you pretty accurate um, expectations on when you need to charge and what your percentage is going to be once you get there. And the driving I did, I found it to be fairly modest in its estimation. So even in the beginning when it said you're going to arrive at your next charging station at 30%, by the time I got to that charging station, I was like really like 35 so that was pretty cool to find. I, I did find the app somewhat limited in that it doesn't tell you what chargers are available, what chargers are down. Um, it While you're in the app and while you're actually driving, it doesn't give you a great sense of how long you're going to be at that charging station stop for. You have to be stationary and then get access to it through your phone. So it's not quite as intuitive as a better out planner or maybe the Tesla app, which I've never used. I mean, Tesla, I mean, Tesla's really good. Um, I mean, really, when you get in the car, you set your destination. It tells you not only, you know, obviously when you're going to get there, um, how much charge you're going to have left and then how long you have to wait until your next stop and it's a little bit conservative on that i know a lot of people who try to push the envelope and roll in with you know five miles or less but that's no different than someone else trying to just run on fumes and with their gas tank so um but anyways i I digress um yeah i mean it works really really well with the tesla app um and it has for for years so like this road trip everything was going super well until we got into ohio like i'm into ohio and either it's karma because of all the bad things i've said about it or it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy that ohio really is the worst place in the world i get a chunk of metal stuck in my tire and i am in toledo 
and I've got a rapidly deflating tire and I ended up making it into a service station and very kind the service station attendant let me borrow some tools and I was able to buy some of the tire fix a flat plug and the spray. And like, I know that that's not an ideal way to solve a flat tire problem, but in a car that doesn't come with a spare tire, what else are you going to do at 1230 outside of Toledo in the middle of the night in the rain? So I plugged the hole with the string plug and fill a fold to fix a flat on the inside. I figured two for one on that. Hopefully it holds and gets us to Cedar point. And then I will deal with a flat tire the next morning or on the following day. And that's what I did. I mean, Tom, I have two, I have two questions for you. <clears throat> yeah. Going back to the Apple maps, how do you, how did you select you drive an EV and how did you pick like chargers? Is there a setting or like how, how that happened? It was all automatic. So the oh, cool. Apple maps knows that it's connected to the car. I'm assuming through CarPlay that is connected to an electric vehicle. Cool. And then there was no settings that I could find. I could be missing something that specifically point to like what type of chargers that you want. Okay. I would try it. I've not tried it, but I have Apple CarPlay on like Mike and his fancy Rivian. Yeah, Mike, that's a really cool Rivian. Yeah. Do you have Apple CarPlay? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't. Oh, weird. Well, you got awesome headlights. Hey, how's your truck bed? <laughs> how's your truck bed? How's towing stuff these days? I, I'm sorry. And your range? Well, how's the range? Uh, I'm sorry. Just you, you pull over for a little bit. I'm gonna keep going for about 130 more miles. It's okay. It's okay. Oh, we're letting it fly. I'm getting defensive here. I'm getting defensive. Yeah. Brian, did you have more relevant relevant questions? I did. I did. I was curious how. Uh, you know, I've never used. I've never. My car doesn't have a spare either. I mean, describe how it works. I've never changed. I've always had a spare tire, so I've never done a roadside repair on a tire before. Like. Tell me about it. So this particular kit that I bought from the gas station, it's got one tool that you would stick into the puncture tire through the hole that was created by whatever foreign object went in. And it's kind of like a, it looks like a, a large screw that has serrations on it. And you just kind of plunge it in and out to roughen up that, that surface from the tire. And then it uses another tool that looks like a giant um, sewing needle that you put like this thread in that's maybe like an eighth of an inch in diameter and it's kind of rubber and it reminds me of those um uh, cracker barrel when you go there and you get those like little pixie sticks sure yeah no okay it looks like that but bigger and rubber cement and you coat this whole thing with rubber cement and then you jam it into the tire so some of that thread is still sticking out and then you just yank the needle out and that stuff stays inside and it's stuck in the tire and it seals it from that point Hmm. I had never used it before, um, so it was easy enough that silly me at 1 o'clock in the morning in the dark and the rain could figure it out. And then not being confident that would be enough, I threw a can of Fix-A-Flat in it just the same and figured two for one, we'll go with that. Nice. And you made it. So and we made it. Um, and to this point, we drove it. We, we, I went to go get the tire fixed. At Walmart was the only tire place open, and they wouldn't fix the tire or try to patch it because I had already done all that work to it. So they, they said they wouldn't touch it and they wanted the tires on that axle to match. So they wouldn't even do it. I would have to buy two tires that didn't fit the car to get home. So I just rolled the dice and drove home on my plug and to right now it's still holding. Wow. Yeah. But nice my local tire guy is going to get me in Friday. We'll take care of it. So it should be good then. But, but yeah, so that, that went well, Ohio, uh, apparently 
and I still don't get along, but Cedar Point was fine. We had a good time and uh, smooth trip back. All the charging stations were up and running and working as I expected. And by expected, I mean Electrify Americas were at about 75% being opened and functional. That's pretty good. So there's that. That's pretty good. One more one more question for you. So was uh was it hard? Like they didn't have any EV specific tires um, for your vehicle. Was that really hard, difficult for them to locate an EV specific tire? What did that look like? So the big difference, and we talked about it in one of those former episodes of Aaron Jones, it's going to come down to a weight rating or the load rating on the tire is going to be more. So on my particular car, it's a two twenty five by sixty R eighteen tire, which is a fairly common size, but the load rating to be high enough is less common. So um coming by that's a little bit harder. Got it. Got it. Yeah, that's something I'll I'll notice with the, the Rivian is um I have the twenty one inch wheel and there's really not any um good aftermarket options. So luckily I've got a spare on that, but you know, it's not a something to think about when I'm going on that long trip, especially, you know, later this year. If we're going up to Michigan or flying, I think I might end up driving probably at this point. But uh, yeah, it's something to, something to consider. That's for sure. So the Mach-E comes with a tire inflator that has the fix-a-flat stuff like already put into it. It's like this like all-inclusive kit that you plug into your 12-volt supply. And you can, it's got pictures like an Ikea furniture to directing how to use it. Um, I opted not to do that because I figured the replacement cost on that particular item would be significantly more than the $5 can of Fix-A-Flat that I bought. And I, I figured we'd save that for when I was stranded in the middle of the turnpike. Yeah. But um, it that at least we have that. I'm pretty sure your Kia has that, doesn't it, Brian? Yeah, it's the same. I think same concept, my, um, Tom. I've never used it. Yeah. Lock and wood. Um, okay. Last question. Uh, Electrify America, before I get into my interesting road trip story um what kind of speeds did you see what kind of charging speeds were you getting i was between 30 and 120 kilowatt hours that was it. and there was a couple times that i plugged into the 350 chargers knowing full well that my car isn't capable of capable of that but it was the only charger available so i used it but um you know the mach is capable of up to 150 Unbeknownst to me, Tom and I were road tripping the same time. I was going down to a work trip in Detroit, and I brought two coworkers with. And uh, one's a pretty big car guy, and he was pretty skeptical. I, I found this afterwards. Uh, he was pretty skeptical of taking a road trip in an EV. Uh, one way, it was about 290 miles uh, where we're going. And uh, on the way down, everything worked great. Actually, it was to your point, though, it was kind of interesting. I plugged into a 350 at Electrify America, and I couldn't get it to actually activate. So that was the first time. I've mm. had any personal problems at uh, Electrify America. So I switched and went over to the 150 and I only got 70 kilowatt hours out of that. And that was, that was kind of disappointing. But the saving grace was, and I've talked about this on other episodes, a new Silverado EV showed up. And I got to chat with the owner. Um, well, he's not an owner because there's a fleet of 40 of them, according to him in Michigan, that people get to check out that work at GM. And they wanted to oh. put tons and tons and tons of miles on them. And their hope is to get forty to 50,000 miles on this fleet in the next couple of months and really like figure out, you know, what's wrong with them, what they can fix. But the bombshell he dropped to me, and I thought it was insider info, and then I get home and I see it's all over the news. <laughs> the range, the range is 450 miles. 
And uh, he told me they're using the very similar, if not the same exact battery as the Hummer EV. So the battery pack is massive. And I think I talked about in a previous episode how long it was taking that thing to charge. And that makes sense because my EV battery, my EV6 batteries, you know, 90 whatever kilowatt hours. And that thing is way, it's like twice the size. So anyways, a good conversation. He couldn't divulge too much. I wanted to look in the front. He wouldn't show me. I wanted to look in the interior and take some pictures. He wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> As I'm sitting there slow charging in a 70 kilowatt hour at a 150. But it wasn't that slow. It was like 20 minutes. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, uh, and then we got down, did our did our meetings. I was able to charge at a Tesla destination charger at the Marriott Hotel overnight. So I used my Tesla adapter and that worked great. Um, did some meetings the next day. And this were this is the kind of funny part. It was raining the Electrify America stations were full. Now it was a Friday afternoon driving back from Detroit. And listeners, if you're not from Michigan, everyone in the Detroit metro area on the weekends in the summer comes up north. So it was pretty busy. I wasn't stopping go traffic by any means, but three, four lane highway was full. And so I pulled up my Electrify America app and I saw that all the chargers were full. But this is where I started to feel comfortable because I've taken quite a few road trips. I was getting some really sick uh, mileage. I think I had a tailwind. It was 75 degrees. It was nice. Um, and so I just called an audible and I, I know I could make it uh, to Cadillac, Michigan with a, maybe a 5% charge left. And I just told the people with me, like, we're going to just try this and see what happens. And I got a little bit nervous, though, because halfway through the, halfway through the trip, it like starts really storming, huge headwinds, and the temperature drops from 75 to 55 and uh, I was a little bit nervous, so I will say I slowed down from 75 to like 72, but we made it, no problem, we made it with 25 mile range left, and into Cadillac and Electrify America there was killing it. I think I got like a 220 charge for like a seven minute in Cadillac, and um, and then my buddy drove home in my EV, and he did admit after the road trip that he actually was one of those haters, and now he's uh, potentially gonna look for an ev because he thought road trips were gonna suck and a, uh, a 10 15 minute charge on the way home a 15 20 minute charge on the way down and overnight at a hotel it was pretty dang convenient and uh he loved the uh he loved the instant torque and all the fun characteristics we've talked about for an ev so i was able to convert maybe one or two people into an ev skeptic or from an ev skeptic into an ev potential advocate but I think uh, just the normal story, story is like making sure, I mean, the, the things we've talked about is just making sure you map out where you're going to charge. I took a calculated risk. I wasn't that calculated because there's a charger in Claire and there's a charger in other places I could have stopped at. Well, you're never that calculated, so. I know. I know. Exactly. Um, and then just making sure, like, Mike, this was a tip I learned from you, making sure hotels have chargers because it's pretty sweet leaving a hotel in the morning at 100% charge. Yep. You don't have to worry about it, you know, so. And that's when we ran into at Cedar Point where they don't have like any chargers on the property at all. And so they have outlets in their little covered carport area where you typically drop off your baggage like and check in. So we just parked that car up there and left it plugged in on the 110 level one charger. And I think I got up to maybe 80% after it had been plugged in for a day and a half, but better than nothing. Yeah, it works. Absolutely. You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, 
look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicles. Bryant has been doing extensive research still into the EV tax credits, and he's here to give us some updates on the tax code. Yeah, I couldn't sleep the other night, so I figured I'd go to the IRS and read some tax tax law. <laughs> so, guys, we've teased this on other episodes. I think the biggest addition. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume for this episode, you went back and listened to the episodes from the fall. Um, if you haven't, go back and listen to the episode from the fall because I don't want to get into all this very specific details because this podcast would be super long. What I want to do is update you guys on what's happened since the fall. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act was passed in August. What's changed? And then most of the Inflation Reduction Act really hadn't taken an effect until April 17th this year. And so um, now we're starting to get into it. It's May when this has been recorded. And here are the changes. So um, high level, there's now an adjusted gross income uh, of 300000 for married couples or 150000 for single filers. That's new. Um, the credit amount is also changed a bit. So you get 2500 as a base amount. And I won't go into all the specific details, but it depends on the battery size, um, the battery capacity. The, the total can be 7500 That's very similar to the other credit. But what happens is because of these different um, amounts per kilowatt hour and battery capacity is you get uh, a little bit different. It's not just 7500 or nothing like the previous one. There's another big component. If vehicles placed in service after April 18th, have to meet all these batter- these new battery criteria, these new assembly criteria of being most of the battery components have to be sourced from the United States, has to be finally assembled in the United States. And so what, what the administration is, what the Biden administration did when they put this in effect is they, um, they put different tiers. And so for simplicity's sake, if the vehicle meets the critical minerals requirement, so meaning the battery is manufactured in the United States, but it's not finally assembled in the United States, you get a 3,500, so you get roughly half. Um, if, it meets the, if it meets the assembly requirements, but the battery's not from source the United States, same thing. So long story short, a bunch of other EVs, like plug-in hybrid type EVs, used to qualify, um, and they're not, they're not qualifying anymore. So I want to get into the very specific things. Um, oh, one more quick, one more quick detail. There's a new MSRP. So for SUV, sport utility vehicles, and pickup trucks, the MSRP cannot exceed eighty thousand. For other vehicles like sedans and whatnot and hatchbacks, it's fifty-five. So those are some of the criteria that are now into effect uh, for the tax credit. And it's not just as easy in the past as just whoever whoever had tax credit allocations left from the government, they could get them. So what, what the outcome of this is a lot of vehicles no longer qualify. Um, in fact, only about a dozen vehicles qualify now for the full $7,500 tax credit. Um, four hybrid vehicles qualify. We're not getting into hybrids on this podcast because we're doing full EVs. But the list is so short, I'm just going to read it because it's, it's not very big. The Cadillac Lyric uh, qualifies. Congratulations the Cadillac Lyric Owners Club, they were um, lobbying to get, uh, I know this because um, some of them contacted me, even though I'm an owner of a Lyric, but they contacted me and talked to me about this when I wrote their previous article. The Cadillac Lyric Club successfully um, negotiated the Cadillac Lyric to qualify. Um, so Cadillac Lyric, Chevy Blazer, when it comes out later this fall, 
the Chevrolet Bolt until it's killed at the end of the year, the Chevrolet Equinox when it comes out later, the Silverado when it comes out later, the F-150 Lightning, both standard and extended range, the Tesla Model 3, and the Tesla Model Y. What's missing from this list is a lot of EVs, like mine, the EV6, doesn't qualify anymore. Tom, unfortunately, the Mach-E doesn't fully qualify anymore. Um, wow. And if you, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of a surprise. And if you really know your EVs, there's four of them I listed on here. Well, technically three of them. The Blazer, the Equinox, and the Silverado. You can't even buy them right now. They're not for sale. So the list is really Lyric, Bolt, F-150, Model 3, and Model Y. Very small. Yeah. And that, I mean, again, that's for the, the 7,500 um, tax credit. I mean, there's there's a bunch more that are eligible for the 3750 yeah, the 3750, um, so the ones that don't qualify, um, obviously, like I talked about, EV6, pretty much all of the Kia, all the Hyundai don't qualify, none of the Audi, um, Mike Urivian no longer qualifies, the Nissan Leafs don't qualify, um, so the Riv- BMW. The are, yeah, the Rivians are interesting, though, so let's talk about that for a second. So the R1T and the R1S still qualify. This is for 2023 for up to 3750 but yes. you had those are for the ones that are have an MSRP of under eighty thousand. So the only way to and the other caveat with this is what your income is. There's an income requirement, um, and so that factors in there. So, it, but to get it, the MSRP under eighty thousand on either one of the either the Rivian truck or the SUV, you had to be an early reservation holder, but not take delivery until later with the with the pre-price increase otherwise that msrp is going to be way above eighty thousand for each one of those cars um so it's a pretty darn small number of people who would be eligible for that tax credit it's a good point mike and and tom your maki qualifies for 3700 um so it's not zero um but as we all know um tesla's lowered its price a few times i mean they wouldn't they weren't qualifying because their msrp now they do um i believe tom Correct me if I'm wrong, but the Mach-E, they, they recently lowered their prices as well. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's actually been two price drops since the first of the year. They they dropped, right, honestly, like two weeks after I bought mine, and I got a check back from Ford covering that difference. And now this most recent drop is almost like three grand. i am not sure if I'll get anything for that because I think they're going to say that it's a 23.5 model year and they've changed the battery. So I probably won't say anything. Uh, the ID4 is now assembled um, at the assembly plant down in Tennessee. So I think that's the point I'm getting to. There's um, just going to go to. It's a good transition. Is Hyundai, uh, the Kia, you know, EV6, the Hyundai um, Ionic, and all the those vehicles are talking about bringing them over and assembling them in the United States um, to, to maybe help qualify for part of the vehicle. Um, to your point, Mike, uh, Volkswagen's now assembling the ID4 down in I think the Chattanooga plant. Um, to qualify. And I think that's a point of the Inflation Reduction Act is to try to bring, you know, jobs to America, try to source components domestically, but also the unintended consequence, which I'm not sure they thought about when they passed it was Mike or Tommy just talked about the price drops. Like Tesla's dropped their prices a few times, you know, Ford, mach coming down. So they want to fit the MSRP underneath some of these requirements um, to see if they can qualify for at least partial of the credit, even if no, the parts aren't sourced or the batteries aren't sourced in the United States. 
when you look at the overall picture of what they're trying to do, they're trying to make EVs more affordable and accessible for, for people in mass. Right. And before these were expensive toys for a lot of people. Um, and now they're really, you know, when you think about the used tax credit as well for the, some of the used vehicles, um, that's, that's factoring into. So I, I think it goes sure. towards the whole theme of getting more people in electric cars. Unfortunately, the one thing that, you know, really comes across here is the number of hybrid vehicles that qualify with a, just frankly, a tiny battery. Um, one of them being the Pacifica hybrid and the Wrangler four by E we've had, well, the, the Pacifica hybrid does have the, um, the full 7,500. I believe the four by E is actually only 3,750 now, but yeah. we've had both those vehicles. And frankly, for trying to lower emissions that, they don't really cut it, in my opinion. You really need to have a full EV. Well, I want to address. I want to address two things you mentioned, Mike. Um, one, yeah, uh, to your point, these are still new vehicles. Um, next year, uh, uh, used vehicles will qualify. So we'll, we'll, we'll do another podcast, I'm sure, because that would that would be really confusing. And the dealers can take um, that tax credit, so you can see the sticker price of the vehicles will be less because you can transfer the tax credit to the dealer. You don't have to wait. Like Tom's gonna have to wait, you know, almost a whole year. I had to wait almost. I literally waited almost the entire year because I bought my car in April of last year to get it. Um, so yeah. I think that will help. Um, and then, yeah, to your point, um, Mike, there's there's still some plug-in hybrids that qualify for that thirty thirty seven hundred. Um, but even though, like, we're talking about the prices of EVs, I was just looking at um, an article talking about the average EV uh, price in March was fifty eight thousand. So we'll just have to see. Um, we're recording this in May. Uh, we have you know a bunch of vehicles on our website, so maybe we can do another podcast around. Are we seeing the the price of new EVs and used EVs? What's happening in the market? Maybe that's another topic for the future. Brian, I really appreciate the work you did putting in the research into the tax credit updates, and I think it's important for our listeners to uh, to, to take in. Yeah, happy to read tax credit code anytime I can't sleep. We'll do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for our listeners, I, I keep pushing this, but please, 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 please get into your platforms you listen to us on and rate and review the podcast. It is immensely helpful for the algorithms. Gives us an opportunity to understand what it is we need to improve and 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 what we're doing right. So we, we do appreciate that feedback and we really look forward to getting it. Can I tease our next podcast? Sure. We're going to do the five myths of uh, EV ownership. Which is really convenient because Mike already did research for that. Yeah, that's what Mike I thought we were doing today. So, yeah, there's more than five, but we're going to give you the top five. And the top five that Bryant came up with and I researched. Yeah. Top five myths of EV ownership. Yeah. By Welcome. Mike Dole. By, yeah. All right, guys. I All think right. it's time to call it. We'll see yeah. Thank you. All right. See you. Thank you for listening to Plug In for More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, EVUniverse.com. Until next time.